0: Welcome to the true safety podcast with Apollonia Rockwell where each week you hear from safety industry experts and leaders discussing safety culture Team development and the future of the safety industry If you are looking for help with your safety program or have questions head to true safety services.com slash podcast Let's get started
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the True Safety Podcast. I'm your host Apollonia Rockwell, and we have someone really, really special today. We have uh, Ms. Claire Bike with us, and Claire is a seasoned safety professional with some really cool background that we're going to get into. Not only does she have experience over oh, seven years working with in the manufacturing industry on the safety end but working with plants and different types of companies um, all over the place and uh, first of all thank you so much for being here and how are you this morning?
2: I am wonderful and thank you again for having me it's been uh quite a whirlwind all of a sudden having you reach out and uh have the opportunity to be here so thank you again. Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. Good, good. Well, no, I'm really, really excited to talk with you. I always love the opportunity to connect with safety professionals. And also, it's just special to talk to a female in the safety <laughs> realm of things. And just to kind of hear your unique perspectives. I just I'm really excited. But can you first just tell us? How in the world did you get to where you're at today in your, in your professional experience? How did you get into (laughs) safety? I just, we did a bunch of research on you and piecing through everything. I'm like, how How did
2: did you even get to
1: the... How did you even
2: get here? So <laughs> Um, I think that I entered the safety profession the way most people do, which is by accident. Yeah, um, not not <laughs> yeah. metaphorically, metaphorically speaking, not figuratively speaking, of course. But um yes. we I got out of the military. I had moved back to Washington State and the company I had started working for had decided that they needed somebody new. I had gotten to their um safety committee because i wanted a break from the work that i was doing i just was like oh i know safety this is easy military all that and i had that opportunity but they needed somebody to kind of fill in this place for kind of that safety person the safety guy and um they asked me to do it i was like oh okay uh you know i've never really done this (laughs) And they said they understood. And next thing I knew, I was years into it getting my bachelor's degree and just, I, I didn't suck at it is what I found out. And it turned out yeah. that I quite enjoyed it beyond that. So really understanding not just OSHA, but for Washington State WISHA and kind of mm-hmm. having that guidance tool of, you know, I, I really enjoyed being able to look out for people and give voices to people that may not even understand why it's not okay to do what they're doing. And there was a lot of opportunities at the company I started at, uh, but I had a wonderful mentor and just ended up becoming, we built a whole department around it. And I was so, so fortunate actually in, in that opportunity and to be able to have them help get me my bachelor's degree in occupational safety at that point. And it, it just kind of rolled from there. I I started moving on um, to other companies and at the last company I was at, when I was thinking about leaving, I had some. Really trusted, uh, vendors and third party, um, associates that I had been working with for a long time that the contractors were just like, Claire, if you do leave, can you please start your own business? We really want to work with you. And it's all in their construction in- industry, welding, um, maritime, everything. And I was like, yeah. I think I can do that. Okay. Um, I didn't believe Let's them at first though. <laughs> And then they called me a couple of weeks after I left the previous company and they're like, Hey, are you going to do it? I was like, Oh, you weren't kidding. Okay. Yeah. It's no, real. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was an unexpected transition into where I'm at now and almost a year into having my own business and just kind of creating what it is that I want to do every day. And it's, it's, it's amazing actually. Yeah. <sighs>
1: That is awesome. And I have a million questions listening to you. And the first thing I'll ask you is when you said that when you first started with the safety role and you're like, Mm -hmm. I started just getting a hang of this and I developed a passion for it. What was that underlying passion for? I mean, I heard you say something really special and unique. You said something like um, giving people voices that maybe wouldn't know any different, right? Mm -hmm. They wouldn't know that they're in maybe a hazardous situation or so what was that passion that drove you to really get into the industry?
2: I think I, man, it's a great question, but I think it really boiled down to, I didn't know what I didn't know until I started to know uh yeah. it, it's it's the same concept of any worker and we have i was raised by a wonderful man my dad who was always just like suck it up you know just do the job yeah. you're yeah you know you're nobody's special not in that bad way but like you're just gonna be an employee don't don't ever look at yourself as you know you're kind of disposable to a lot of companies. And that's a lot of what we've been working with the leadership styles that we've been working with over the last, you know, my dad was from the, you know, good old fifties era where it was Mm -hmm. very much mad men style lifestyles. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. when I got into safety, it was, Oh, Hey, wait a minute. We're not supposed to be doing this. The SDS says this, or, you know, these, these conversations aren't happening. Why are we bringing these items into our facility without having the conversations yet. And yeah. it was just kind of that we'll, we'll do what we want because we've always done it this way. And it's yeah. the famous last yeah. words of a lot of very unfortunate situations and yeah. having that opportunity to be like, wait, 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 wait. And then realizing that people want that people want that security and recognizing the people that do want that security. And when you get pushback, what that feels like. And then, adding on being a female in the industry in a very male dominated um, field and industry itself, manufacturing is, you know, some more glass ceilings, I suppose that you're just trying to trying to break through and kind of get your voice heard uh, for them, not for you. So,
1: yeah. 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 I like how you said that and how, how was that? You know, I being, what, what would you say now, what advice would you give now to maybe your younger self when you are looking around and it is a male dominated industry? I started as a safety professional in the oil and gas industry. Mm. We had a oil and gas division, a cons- like a welding shop, a trucking division. And I feel like at that time when I started my career, if, if someone were to ask me, what's it like being a girl in the industry, I'd be like, it's no different. It's no different. I'm, I'm the same. I'm treated the same. Work's not hard. Mm -hmm. I got this. I've looking back. I was thinking that was actually really traumatic actually. And actually I really was afraid a lot of the time afraid of, um, I don't know, being like self-conscious. And I felt Mm -hmm. like I had to, maybe explain myself more than maybe explain more of like why I was there, how I got there. Similar story to you got my bachelor's in occupational health and safety. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like I had to explain my credentials a little bit more to prove why I was, I don't know, allowed to be there.
2: Qualified. Um, <laughs>
1: Maybe those are just some self-doubts that I had I like now I'm willing to admit, but I mean, did you have any of that? All of
2: them. Absolutely. I I just, uh, everything you said I did, I, I probably gave my verbal resume when I finally had a resume to give, or I was constantly qualifying myself to be in that conversation or at the table. And if, if, and when I would, when I became the manager and they created an EHS department, at that company, it was just like, okay, trying to have people really recognize you for who you are in that role rather than who you were when you started at the company was an incredibly new dynamic, let alone being, you know, a female or the first female manager on that floor, anything along those lines at, at that level in a manufacturing suite, it was just... You constantly tell yourself, I'm just one of the guys. I'm just, you know, instead of being like, I'm me, right? Like I get to be me within this group of people and gender is irrelevant, right? And, but it's, I had to put in more hours. I had to show up first. I had to leave last. I had to do all of these things because I had to prove to everybody, like, I'm relevant. I am, I am qualified to be here and I am absolutely bound and determined to have you see that without having to say it. But when I do talk to you, I'm going to say it too. <laughs> so mm. I would love to tell my younger self, um, "Yeah, man, calm down. <laughs> it's going to be okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh my gosh. I am dying over here
1: <laughs> listening to you. And oh my goodness, because... You are taking the words out of my mouth. Oh, I yep. settled out. Like the, tell my previous self that calm down. That's what I would tell myself yep. too. I was there early. And mm-hmm. like you said, um, uh, you know, race did it race. Gender didn't matter. You know, mm-hmm. we're all the same. Be one of the guys. Yeah. I, just i was interviewing a gal in the safety professional industry she has a safety company to ally safety oh, nice. really cool girl and i for the first time just just by processing it out loud in the podcast i i something that i kind of hid away maybe like tried to forget about and it, i was reminded during the podcast was the first time i said it out loud was that i remember there was this this time in my early career where I felt like I had to really hide that I was a girl because I was Mm -hmm. out in the field a lot in the oil and gas, like on the drilling rigs. And there was just like these couple months where I would try to, you know, have the tightest, highest ponytail and tuck it in my hard hat. Like if I, like, what was I doing? What was I doing?
2: Trying to blend in. And I was
1: trying (laughs) to look like a guy because I didn't want to be seen as a girl. I just didn't want to I didn't have the energy to prove myself sometimes and, and, mm-hmm. and explain why I was there and blah, 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 blah. I just wanted to be a guy. I just wanted to be one of the guys. Yes. And then I realized, like you said, I could have just been me, mm-hmm. like feminine little me yeah. <laughs> out there, no, <laughs> but I didn't want to be. Yeah. <laughs> what point did you tell yourself, wait a minute? like, wait a minute. I am qualified. I have a passion for people. Mm -hmm. So I'm allowed to be here. I have the knowing with the OSHA knowledge and yeah, that's all great. But the bigger thing that I'm getting from you is your passion for people and your passion for giving people a voice. And so, I mean, at what time in your career did you realize, wait a minute, (laughs) I've got this.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I had been through in the very beginning of my career um as the EHS person. Well, they hadn't formed it yet, but we had an OSHA inspection. And so you get thrown into the deep end and they're like, oh, Claire, you're up. Like, you're show up. up. <laughs>
1: Hope you're doing what we thought you were yeah. doing. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and, and I wasn't really doing anything yet. I think the expectation of that role was so minimalistic at the time that mm. You know, I was like, I'm going to show up and do this. That's right. It was, it turned out to be two to three days long. And it was me and my maintenance person. And I say mine, but the maintenance person that worked there at the time. And we became very good friends after that. Yep. (laughs) It was just like every break we had, we'd have lunch together. It was just, it was a moment. But in the end, um, we ended up doing fairly well. And I ended up just... Uh, learning so much from that experience. And then I went from somebody who knew almost nothing to somebody that actually, okay, so this is what it feels like to get audited. And this is what it feels like to go to um a hearing and yeah. to appeal these chart, like any of these fines and understand, okay, this is why they're saying it, but this is what we did. I didn't understand at the time. The, the The process altogether was amazing, but as much as yes. you would think that would make you feel like you understood that didn't do it. Now I just felt that much more inferior and it took probably three to four more years. Um, before I got my degree, it was somebody had asked a question and I knew the answer and it was like right off the top of my head. And I was able to read uh, a couple other um, transcripts of what we were trying to do. And I was like, we can't do that because of these things. And somebody just tried to stop me. And I was like, like, oh, like when when a hand's put up to you almost in your face across the room at a meeting in the middle of a meeting and you stop yourself and you're like, Okay. no, so you didn't have the right to do that. Got it. Okay, this is where I from now on will never allow that to happen again.
0: And that
2: was that moment when I realized that I You know, somebody maybe didn't take me as seriously as I had anticipated them to and professionally speaking. And it was unfortunate, but it gave me that power in my own self to recognize from here on out. It's not that I have to speak louder. It's just that I have to speak to people that are going to listen, or Mm. I have to make them listen through using dedicated words that make sense because it's about the people and not us. And unfortunately- A lot of the time it's about the bottom line and we can navigate that and we can work around any kind of financial struggles or challenges, but we certainly can't do it at the best or at the cost of any, anybody that we're working with or for. So
1: absolutely. Oh, wow. Oh my gosh. So much to unpack there. I like how you said (laughs) that. You don't have to speak louder. Maybe just need to speak to the right people. Yeah. And so, oh, my gosh, that just resonates so much. I just okay. and kind of kind of going back to what you were describing as having to really prove yourself and not feeling qualified until you were overqualified almost. Yeah. And it's
2: living in that imposter we... syndrome feeling, you know.
1: Yeah. Why do we do do that? Why do girls, why are we like that? Women (laughs) do it it
2: more often. I think it's proven that we do do it more often because I think, oh man, I think it's that self-confidence and whether or not we're showing up with that or not and understanding fake it till you make it kind of moment. I don't know about you, but I absolutely, in the beginning of my career, you of any career, any job, you you come on site and you're just like, I got this. Just show them that I got this.
1: (laughs) show up prepared, over prepared and early and, you know, knock it out of the park. Yeah. I mean, I just remember really not only going to the extra mile, it's almost how you're describing it. Like too far, too, you know, too prepared. I would just go to the extremes because I felt like I couldn't be wrong. I had so much to prove to this company that I was the right person and I just, whoa, if you could tell yourself yep. advice, what would it be? Calm down. That's
2: that's the funniest thing. <laughs> Calm down. Thing. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I think, especially when you grasp the gravity of the role of being, you know, the safety guy or um, the EHS person on site or director, whatever role you have, if it has to do with safety. And this does go, and a lot of people forget, supervisors, managers, they're all safety. Um, They're all safety managers, right? Like you are the manager of your own safety as a frontline worker at any level. But as the person at the end of the day who has it in their title, it's really hard to understand or grasp that concept of if and when, when something goes wrong, Um, it's, it's something that you're going to have to live with. And that caught me. And I remember having a conversation with my mentor, and he ended up being my boss. And I was just, he goes, why are you so worried? Why do you need to fix this right now? And I'm like, because if I don't do this, at the end of the day, when I go home, I get to go home. What if somebody else doesn't because I didn't do my job right? Yeah. And he he just sat there and he goes, you're taking your job very seriously. And I'm like, if I wasn't, I'd be doing very, very poorly at my job. So you're welcome. And I think being able to have those conversations and existential crises, I'm sure several times, but so many, so many moments of just like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? This is, this is people. And I think that's where it came from. Like that, that grand passion of, making sure that we're having leadership development be so so much more of a primary focus so yeah. that the people are the ones that benefit all mm-hmm. over so
1: absolutely i hear you when you're speaking you you say people a lot you're referring to the actual workers a lot and i think that that's so special and it's it's everything when it comes to safety because um I'm sure you've met a lot of different types of safety professionals along your career. And I I feel like the ones that really make the biggest impact, at least in my life, have been the ones that it all stemmed down to people for them. And I think that regulations are crucial and every regulation and rule and policy is there for a reason and those are not to be dismissed. It's just, I think that For me, safety is about going beyond compliance and the beyond compliance land looks like caring for people and taking care of them and just trying to strive for a culture. this philosophy where i don't really believe in a safety culture i just really believe in a company culture i think companies just have a culture (laughs) like there's not an accounting culture there's not an ops culture there really is just a culture and that culture is often times okay like does the culture care about safety or they don't right it's just is it integral
2: into everything you do are these things non-negotiables
1: yeah. Absolutely.
2: And I, yeah. oh God, I love that you said that. I absolutely believe in everything you just said. Yes.
1: yes. Oh, we are on, we are synced. We are synced <laughs> through Zoom there are yes. whatever we're recording through. We are, <laughs> I can feel it. I can feel the energy from you. This is like so exciting. I just to wrap things up. I mean, first of all, the time is going by really, has gone by really, really fast. I know. Right? I
2: just looked down and saw
1: I'm like, whoa, we're almost at time. But how I want to end, it, um, end it with the with the listeners is I want to know what are you most passionate about right now. Um, let's say so two things: like, what are you most passionate about right now in your career, and then two, what advice would you give to the listeners that are looking to take their safety program to the next level? You know what would be what would be some advice but first what what are you passionate about i could tell you have a lot of passion for this that's like so exciting to talk to you
2: (laughs) thank you um i would say right now a huge focus I have is leadership development. I, I kind of mentioned it before, but I think it's, it's where it starts and it's where it has to end is with our leadership, making sure, you know, understanding leadership is a choice every single day. And yeah. you have a role and that's your title, but leadership is a choice. And you can do that from any level, from any job, from any role. And it, it's something that if we lead with empathy and that goes with the advice that I would give to anybody else, if you lead with empathy, you don't have to live in empathy, obviously, but lead with empathy, understand it's majority times, 70, 70, 30 process, not people. Um, and we're, we need to not point fingers. We need to understand that it's more than likely we haven't made, given them tools to be successful. And If we lead from that and if we start practicing, it's not easy, but practicing leading with empathy, practice conceptually understanding process, not people. Then one day it becomes natural to have that conversation that starts with questions and not the finger pointing. And it is it's a wonderful, wonderful moment when you see leadership do that. And I, I just hope that we can get there a little bit. I think. COVID has exponentially accelerated our, our ability to get to these wonderful moments where we're normalizing a work-life balance rather than criticizing yeah. it. Yeah. And, um, instead of it taking 10 years to get there, I think it's just been the two years of COVID. And I'm, I'm really excited to see how it's really spotlighted us moving forward in a lot of those softer areas that have been kind of shunned or frowned upon. So mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah. I couldn't agree with that more. I think that a lot of our listeners are safety professionals and um, are just uh, leadership roles, management roles. But I love what you just said there is that leadership is a choice and to wake up every day. Leadership is a choice that just, wow, that really rings true in so many ways. It is a choice. It's something that we can choose not to, you know, look out for the person that we're working with that day and but one thing that really was kind of screaming at me when you were talking there is as as safety professionals we do have to acknowledge that one safe it's not just safety it's not just safety's role and responsibility to care about safety right and mm-hmm. it's it's everybody it's operations yeah. it's it's the ceo it's the owners it's everybody is embracing um a healthy workspace and yes. the and leading with empathy is is on all of our plates yes. to really try right. to understand the person that we're working with on a deeper level caring for them on a deeper level that's all of our our roles and responsibilities. So I think that that was, I think that that's a beautifully said. And I think that that's one step that we can all take if we're trying to take the culture at our company to the next level is really leading with empathy. I love how you said that. That's great. And I anything else? Yeah. I mean, anything else on your mind, how would you, how would you describe, I mean, any final advice you would give to that, to somebody that's just trying to take the the safety program in itself to the Mm -hmm. next level um
2: low-hanging fruit use it um if people start seeing changes that you're making um and see that you're dedicated in the change that you're talking about and you're not just using words and you're not just a mouthpiece yeah be a part of that um i Every day I talk about these things and yet I know that I, I'm i coming from a point of learned behavior. I, I was all the things I talk about are unhealthy. I've been unhealthy. So I'm not coming from a point of pointing fingers. I'm coming from a point of growth and understand that we don't all start with this moment of perfection and always being this best, our best safety self uh, we, we have to get there and we have to grow into it. And it takes just like you do to work out every single day. It kind of takes that mental fortitude to be able to show up for yourself every day. And then as a safety person, you're showing up for them as well after like as that secondary, but primary motivation.
1: Yeah. Showing up for the people. I really like that. I think that those are great parting ways showing up for your people, not just, you know, it's not, we're not in this as so safety professionals to get all the glory right we're there to <laughs> to be a support with yes. the, with the organization in a whole and i um i think we could all resonate it's something that you just said earlier was that uh, either you've worked inside an organization like this or maybe you know of a company like this but i've i've been all of the above <laughs> is working with a company where we are so defaulted to blaming people Blame yep. the person. Somebody's involved in an incident. Well, what did they do wrong? Write Let's them up. find their faults right away. <laughs> and I've been in companies that act like that. We all have been, or at least I think we all have been. Maybe it's just me. But um, getting to a space where we're looking at ourselves, where the company is looking at ourselves and looking in the mirror and, where, and having the mindset, where did we go wrong here? And how did right. we as a company fail them? When there's an incident, when there's a near miss, when there's a mishap in the workplace, I think that that's a goal to strive for. I think that's beautifully said. And as safety professionals for, you know, everyone listening, if you are working at a company that is kind of defaulted to blame people, that's something as an action item to take away today. And just, you know, I challenge you to rethink rethink the situation and rethink, can we have done something different? And did we actually fail them? Not them failing us.
2: Excellent. Yes.
1: I love that. Well, I have to tell you, Claire, thank you so much for being on this morning. I think that It's the girl talk that we have really fueled my (laughs) Friday. I just I will laugh into the weekend thinking about what you would tell your younger self to calm down, (laughs) because that's what I would have told myself too. And maybe that's just some advice. Maybe if you're a young female starting into the to your career, um, that may be advice for you. I'm not too sure. But just know that you are probably qualified Long before you decide that you're qualified. I think that that was really, really special. So any final words, Claire? Any final thoughts?
2: No, just even if it's calm down right now or calm down to your younger self, it's 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 in there. We gotta do it. But yeah, I thank you so much again for having me on the show. And yeah, look forward to hearing more. So
1: Absolutely. All right, everyone. If you want to stay connected with Claire, which I know you do, we're going to link all of her social media and provide her direct contact information. And Claire, if people have any questions or any follow up, um, are they free to contact you?
2: Absolutely. Please do.
1: Awesome. Mm All righty. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening and happy. I'm not sure if this is going to be released on a a Friday, but happy Friday to you, Claire.
2: (laughs) Yes. Happy Friday.
1: All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Talk to you soon.
0: Thank you for listening to the True Safety Podcast with Apollonia Rockwell. If you are looking to save time and money with your safety program this year, we'd love to hear from you. Head to truesafetyservices.com slash podcast to schedule a free call with our team where we will help you identify the biggest opportunities for growth in your company and safety program. And we'll connect you with the right resources to help you grow. Again, that is truesafetyservices.com slash podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next week. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and share with your friends. If you know anyone who needs to hear this episode today, click the share button and send them this episode.